Hello and welcome to Plant Pals. Plant Pals, welcome. This is Plant Pals, and I'm your host, Mike. And this is my sixth go of recording an intro because it's my least favorite part of starting this whole thing. Anyways, this is my podcast where I talk to my pals about plants. And my pal this week is me! doing a solo episode because it has been a real pain in the butt to try to convince introverts to speak into a microphone for an hour all winter, which I get and understand. I love you all the same no matter what. I accidentally went six months without releasing an episode again, which is on me. Um, I was consumed by the rage most of this winter. I have been working inside in a zero sunlight environment. And in my Gollum-like existence, I realized that I have been looking up a lot of good news. I've been clinging to it like wreckage in a storm. And so I want to share that good, warm feeling that has taken the ball of rage out of my chest for some part of the time uh, with a bunch of good news that I have congregated and aggregated for you and your listening enjoyment. Hopefully, you won't yell at people in traffic like I have been. That's my bellwether for when I'm not doing great. Uh, I have stopped yelling at people in traffic recently because it is dark around 6 p.m. now versus 5, and that is, I think, what got me. Also, just being constantly bombarded with how the state of the world is in shambles and how imperialism is fucking up everything everywhere all the time at once. So without further ado, here's my good news roundup. All right. First thing is first, I bring to you news that Ilex sapinformis has been rediscovered after 200 years by a team led by the researcher Gustavo Martinelli. Uh, it is a species of Ilex in the Atlantic rainforest of Brazil, which is like famously known for being cut down for cocoa and other agriculture. It is right where agriculture really seems to thrive down there, and most parcels of extant habitat are less than 120 acres, which... I thought I had it in hectares for people that aren't in America, but I don't, so sucks. Uh, yes, it was described in 1861 from an 1838 specimen and then pretty much never seen again. But somebody had a voucher from 1938 that was unidentified and researchers looked at it and said, well, shit, that looks like maybe something that we've been trying to find. So they went out looking and they found it in a little shred of forest next to a bunch of plantations in Brazil and they found two males and two females and already one has died because there was flooding, which sucks, but there are plans to preserve the species, grow it out, you know, propagate it. Now, was it completely unknown and just missed by humans this whole time? Probably not. There's probably like a local farmer that had seen it, you know? It's not necessarily gone from human eyes. It's just Western science couldn't do its thing for it. But regardless of that, it is back in the zeitgeist. That's the word, zeitgeist. And God damn it, it's going to make it. Everything's going to be fine. We found Ilex sapinformis after 200 years, okay? Speaking of which, in rediscovered plant news, Morea minima has been seen for the first time since 1981 in South Africa. Uh, Eugene Handik threw it on INAT in 2022. You know, didn't have it completely identified out, but said, hey, this is something. And then a researcher named Chandra Huvel was like, holy fucking shit, that, that's Morea minima. That hasn't been seen since 
Reagan was, well, not in South Africa. They were kind of going through something else there. But it was rediscovered in the dirt road, the two track that the research team with Chandra had taken out. They actually went to the area it was last seen in by the INAT observer and they couldn't find it. And they said, all right, shit, pack it up for the day. And then boom, just sitting there in the middle of the road, it was blooming, you know? And I always go back and forth about INAT. Well, not really back and forth. I love INAT. It's such a fucking awesome tool. But it can be used for evil. Like, if I was a bulb collector and I said, Oh my god, Maria Minima, that hasn't been seen since 1981. I'm going to make a fortune if I go poach that and propagate it out in my shitty greenhouse and sell it to people on eBay. Which, you know, that's why you obscure stuff. Sorry, I drank a lot of coffee on the break. Oh my god. I am the most professional science educator in the world. And yeah, I called myself a science educator for having a silly podcast. Because you can't tell me I'm not. Sorry, that was the rage. All right, anyways, moving on from there, speaking of South African species that have been rediscovered, this is not a plant, but this is a fun little mole. DeWinton's mole, Cryptochloris wintoni, has been rediscovered after more than 80 years of being presumed extinct, or at least, you know, they just figured it was on its way out. It's a freaky-deaky little blind mole that lives in the dunes of the Cape. Ooh, I didn't even mean to make that reference. And its rediscovery has been described as, quote, more exciting than CSI by the researchers that had rediscovered it in Cape Town, South Africa. Um, Sure. Okay. You know, I have seen some really good episodes of CSI, but I think finding a blonde little blind little mole in the dunes of a major metropolitan area would be pretty badass, too. Yeah, it is blonde. That was not a typo of my mouth. That is actually what it looks like. It is a little sand colored guy to help blend in. Probably why they couldn't find it for 80 years. Okay, let's see what else I got. Ooh, another animal item is the Saiga antelope, which I don't know if anyone really knows what they look like. They are the freakiest little Star Wars dudes ever. They are, you know, body of an antelope, face of an elephant. They have this crazy long, gigantic, like, elephant seal snout that helps filter out dust and uh, keep them warm in the winters because they live on the high plains of Eurasia, like Kazakhstan area. I think most of them are in Kazakhstan. Most of the conservation effort is focused in Kazakhstan by Kazakh researchers anyways. And yeah, they are this like funky dude left over from the Ice Age. They are funky dudes. And there were 39,000 in 2005. They've been getting wrecked by droughts and storms and disease. And I remember when I was first getting into conservation and like realizing there was a larger world outside of Massachusetts, which was hard to do for a while because I thought Vermont was like the great wild west. Um, I remember reading news articles being like, yeah, these uh, funky dudes are about to go extinct. Like pack it in. Sorry, everybody. Start lighting candles. But as of today, there are 1.5 million bringing it from critically endangered to near threatened, which is fucking like orders of magnitude healthier as a population. Oh, also, as a fun little aside, and probably the best news out of this whole thing is in 2023, 29 billionaires died. Let's take a moment and be thankful for that. Okay, up next, bringing it back to California, which I apologize, this is going to be a California-centric episode because I know how to get news articles and knowledge about restoration in California more so than other places. But I don't know if you have good news that I could talk about. Hit me up. I have a Gmail account for this podcast I forgot about for a year and a half. It's plantpalspodcast at gmail.com. 
or you can DM me and I hopefully won't have it sent to my spam box at Coastal Sage Scrublord on Instagram. And there's like little underlines between all those words. Underscores. This is a scientific educator podcast, not a grammar. Okie dokie, sorry. Um, what do we got next? The Klamath Dams in California are coming down. Ew, that was a Boston accent slipping out. Klamath River has six dams on it, and four of them are going to be removed in the next year. They are all drawn down, and technically the Klamath River is free-flowing through those areas for the first time in decades. It's going to be crazy good for the salmon populations there that have nosedived. Um, Dick Cheney, everybody's favorite fascist despot, he was actually the reason for the kind of inciting event that brought it into the the modern sphere of trying to get rid of dams in the early 2000s. There was a crazy drought and the ranchers wanted water, but they were not allocated that level of water that was present at the time because it would fucking kill all the fish in the river. But, you know, old Dick Cheney wanted votes, so he killed tens of thousands of salmon in the name of growing fucking alfalfa and cows and bullshit. And this was, you know, decimating to the Yurok tribe that had lived off of salmon populations since, you know, well before the dams were even an idea, before even Europeans got there. Uh, and that really pissed people off, rightfully so, and they realized these dams are not doing anything, you know, even if they were fucking, but they really aren't converting a lot of power into electricity. They have like no uh, reservoir capacity for farming water. They were never built to store water. So through two decades of grassroots efforts, it actually got passed all the way through the highest levels of bureaucracy and they are coming down. They're gonna start blowing them up this summer. It's gonna be incredible. People are pissed right now because they think all the sediment is going to kill all the fish in the river. And there is, okay, there is a 20 mile area where oxygen levels in the water are not great right now below the dams because of all the silt. But that silt is the lifeblood of a healthy river and a functioning riparian area. And so, yeah, it's getting a little bit of a flush right now. The damage is like, you know, minor, but it is much less than four dams blocking an entire river and turning lagoons or reservoirs into lagoons of fucking poison algae. And after this 20 mile area, the oxygen levels from side tributaries bring it to much more than the bare minimum for survival. So yeah, there's been a bunch of like babies online complaining about how the river is like this dead zone and you've killed everything that ever lived in it, but that's just patently untrue. There's a small area that was highly inf affected and that's always what happens with dam removal, but that silt is gonna f settle, it's gonna blow out to sea, it's gonna form a new estuary. It is critical that that silt is getting blown around. So. Stop reading comments on Facebook about it is, I guess, my advice to myself. Editor's note, sorry about the bumping in that little scree there. Um, the rage sometimes makes me tap my fingers and move things around and gesticulate with my hands when I shouldn't. Okay, speaking of dams coming down, in California specifically, the Eel River is going to have its two dams near the headwaters of its flow coming down in the next decade, hopefully sooner. But yeah, um, the Eel River has been experiencing a plummeting rate of salmon populations like just you know it's a couple of thousand versus some of the highest returns in california historically this is because they clear cut the entire watershed in the logging days and continue to do so a little bit but so this level of sediment really started to fill in all those deep pools that get these species through the summer and in drought years and then in the 60s there was a crazy like once in a billion year storm 
the Eel River had more water flowing through it than the Mississippi River did at one point, and it completely just scraped it clean, just bulldozed the entire riverbed. And I mean, I was at the mouth of it, more or less, not the mouth, but where it meets the Van Dusen, and it is just, it's a, a field of rocks. Like there's a little trickle of water kind of slopping in between and it's just, you know, it's completely flattened. It's kind of wild to see, like you'd think it would be cool, good riparian, but every year the water just kind of slops all over the place and no kind of vegetation can be repaired there, which is a different problem. But these dams coming down are going to open up more habitat above them that is available than is available below them for salmon populations to reestablish. And on the completion of the dam removal, the Eel River will be the longest free-flowing river in California. The Klamath River starts in Oregon, and it's still going to have two dams on it. I know there's like a lot of buzz about how the Klamath River is free. It's pretty free. The Klamath River project is going to open up 400 miles of available spawning habitat for salmonids. I keep saying salmonids. Is it salmonids? Salmonids? for fun ocean fish that come up the streams. And honestly, rivers have a right to flow as they did, regardless if populations bounce back immediately or not, because there is like a decade delay in these populations because their genetics straight up have built in where the dam is to their brains. So they go to where the dam was. Like this is kind of the deal in the Elwa River to a degree, a little bit. Uh, salmon just kind of swim up to where the dam used to be and then spawn and then die because they just have it cooked into their heads that there's still a dam there because that's what the last several decades of generations have done. So it takes a minute for them to relearn that they have their like ancestral lands back, but, but there are positive trends in every single species that has historically used these watersheds to spawn. Speaking of land back, the largest land back effort in LA history was completed with the Gabrielino Shoshone Nation of Southern California getting 12 acres back in the LA area. 12 acres of stolen land is a drop in the bucket because there's like 300,000 acres in the LA area, but they are going to be building a learning village that will bring students and the wider community to engage in native ecosystem restoration, climate mitigation, and the essential process of decolonization. Keeping on the trend of land going back to its rightful owners, uh, 10 wolves in Colorado, which is how I say it when I'm out west, it is Colorado when I'm back in Massachusetts, 10 wolves have been returned to the western slope of the Rockies. And as of December, when the final wolf was dropped down, it's, uh, it's a success. The wolves are now doing wolf things, ranchers are pissed about it, and anything that makes ranchers upset is kind of known to be good for the environment, so I'm going to take this W all the way to the bank. Okay, going over to Spain, or Spain. 320,000 acres of Andalusia, known as the Doñana, are a massive system of uh, marshes, dunes, wetlands, and they have been getting really fucked by strawberry and raspberries in the area. Uh, a lot of the lakes have been dry the last few summers, and 59% have not reached full capacity by themselves in since 2013. And so, uh, Agreement was just reached that 1.4 billion euros are going to be used to kind of convert the local economy away from super heavy water using crops and using a lot of that funding for conservation, restoration, making sure that this gigantic area of wetlands in Europe, which I didn't think wetlands in Europe were still a thing, 
But God damn it, there's 320,000 acres out there that are still in, you know, a native state to some degree. And it's incredible that they're actually trying to uh, change local opinions about like, you know, oh, the swampland needs to be drained. We can use this water for agriculture and expansion and da da da. And the fact that it's survived 10,000 years of agricultural based society is incredible. And I bet a lot of the people in the region like it there, you know, they're not anti-nature, but, you know, it's the highest level of class disparity in history, you know, you got to make a living somehow, and if it's you and your kids versus the wetland, like, I get it, you know, so the fact that they're investing in these communities, and they're not just going to leave them out to dry, get it, that's a bad pun, uh, is incredible, and it's, it really gets rid of the rage ball. All right, now I want to talk about the Carmel River in Central California for a while, because this is an area... It's one of the yuppiest places in the universe. Uh, tons of old money. Clint Eastwood was the mayor in the 70s. Uh, Brad Pitt just bought a house there, I think. That was a big buzz. So it's like very that kind of vibe, you know? It's where rich people go to get away from the poors a lot of the time. And they're surrounded by communities that are regular and suffer because of the massive amount of resource extraction this area has. But... They are actually putting a lot of money where their mouth is in terms of restoring the Carmel River because this thing has been used and abused for decades now. Um, the public utilities company that is in charge of water supply has been overdrafting it by like, I think 300% of what they've been allocated and they finally got taken to court about it and lost. They were pumping 14,000 acre feet a year when their allocation was like 3,500-ish. Uh, this led to the Carmel River being dry at its mouth most years. Uh, it is, historically, it would dry up in drought years and kind of have, you know, a seasonal pattern more so than rivers to the north of it. It's kind of on the border of the more arid climates of Southern California and the more humid environments, I guess, of Northern California. And this place that is famous for not allowing black people to play in the PGA courses that are famous for the PGA tour or whatever the fuck until the 90s. The 90s! I don't know how that's allowed. I'm sure there's, you know, people fighting against it then too, but yeah, fucking golf courses are the devil and these ones are openly racist, but one of them has been converted or is in the process of being converted to floodplain again. They're opening up 40 acres of uh, floodplain and they're going to convert the other like 140, I think, to upland environments and habitats. Uh, I have surveyed this property. It looks rough right now because it's an old golf course, but knowing it's an old golf course and knowing it's going to be rechannelized and replanted is like literally what has gotten me out of bed some days. And just downstream, there's going to be a large rechannelization of some grazing land that historically has been floodplain in the next few years with the uh, Big Sur Land Trust. I think the whole project is called Carmel River Free, if you want to check it out. And just knowing that like in some of the nimbiest areas, there are people working their asses off to restore a land like this is nuts because the steelhead populations have plummeted like everywhere else on earth. And they're actually giving them a fighting chance. Like they're doing a lot of work on this river. They knocked down the Los Padres Dam in 2013, I think. At the time, it was the largest dam removal in the US. No, sorry, that was the San Clemente Dam that was removed. But there is talks about moving the Los Padres Dam too, which would free up all the tributaries of this river and hopefully give it a fighting chance to have fucking river scour and a floodplain and lagoons and, like, they're doing it. They're doing it. God bless the people of Carmel. Those racist golf courses are a town over in Monterey anyway, so... But Monterey gets all of its water from the Carmel River, so it's all connected in the end. All right, keeping it in California for a little bit longer... 
uh, Catalina Island is going to be culling all of its non-native mule deer, which is wild to think that mule deer aren't native to an island in California, but it's true. They were brought there in the 1920s for hunting purposes, and they have been grazing the shit out of this vegetation ever since. This vegetation evolved without large grazers in the last few thousand years after the end of the Ice Age. And uh, 2,000 deer are planning to be uh, taken out by sharpshooters, which is pretty badass. People are pissed because they like the aesthetics of, uh, you know, naturalized deer coming up to a feeder and munching on, like, corn or whatever in the one town they have. But it has just been brutal for the local ecosystem. The... Now, I'm not blaming deer necessarily because they went extinct like before most deer were imported to the island, but sheep and wild boar, which have also been removed from the island, were really fucking it up at the time. So the last large grazers, besides there's like a herd of bison they brought out for a movie in the 1900s and they lost all their money and so they just let them go. And so now the park service lets them kind of just like roam. They're on birth control, so they're not just crazy overpopulating. I don't know how much damage they do. I do love bison, though, but that is bias, and that doesn't count. One species that was not brought to extinction by a deer, but grazers like sheep and um, boars on Catalina was Diplicus traskiae, which was collected once in 1901 when it was discovered and has never been seen again, so far as I can tell in any literature. So the removal of these deer, which are famous for clear-cutting anything below like six feet where they can reach, is going to be a boon for the local ecosystem. Maybe get a little bit of fire in there, maybe get rid of those bison that were brought out there a hundred years ago for a movie that never happened, and now the National Park Service keeps them around in a semi-sterilized state so they can be kind of a cool thing to go see. But baby steps, you know? 2,000 less mouths to feed is very good. There was one quote and I think the LA Times where one of the residents of town and okay I have been on record for calling all the residents of the town of Avalon like rich yuppies but somebody pointed out that there is a lot of service workers there that are kind of not rich and have to deal with all of that bullshit so I want to recognize them but one person did say that they never heard somebody coming to Catalina and going wow I just saw a really cool plant you know like the deer were her draw I guess I don't know but that that really, that really got me boiling. Because <laughs> like that's the only time I hear about the Channel Islands is in terms of all the cool plants on it and all the ones that get chomped down to fucking nubs by the thousands of ungulates that we've brought over there. Speaking of the Santa Cruz Island Dudlia and Bedstra, Dudlia nesiotica and Gallium buxifolium are fully recovered in the eyes of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. They were getting totally wrecked by sheep and pigs uh, about the turn of the century. Those grazers were removed, and these two species that are endemic to this one island off the coast are now having a boon. They have reversed the negative trend, and they may well exist in perpetuity, finally. Okay, I think that's it for me. Yep, that's all I got. God bless you. I love you. I'm going to have actual people on soon. Thanks for listening to this. If you did listen, uh, I am sweating like a pig because it is way harder to just talk by yourself for 25 minutes than it is to just let somebody else do it. So I understand even more now while some people are kind of hesitant to talk into a microphone at me. Okay, go get rid of the rage. I love you. Bye.